Greetings and welcome to another edition of Liberty Dispatch Interviews. Matt and I are happy to be with you and we are pleased to have with us Josh Alexander. He is a 16-year-old Christian Canadian student, walkout organizer, very involved with things during the Freedom Convoy. And most recently, he has had the audacity Uh-oh. to say, I mean, the, the gall of this young man mm-hmm. to say that confused men shouldn't go into women's bathrooms. I mean, the the utter foolishness to suggest that perhaps men and women are distinct and you shouldn't have men in women's bathrooms and you shouldn't have 18-year-old guys in bathrooms with 14-year-old girls. But nevertheless, he's made those claims, and we love him for it, and we appreciate him for it very much so here at the Liberty Dispatch. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know it's been a rather eventful number of days, especially for you, but we're grateful you've taken the time to be with us. Thank you for having me on. So we uh, we, we got to set the stage a little bit here. Um, I know that we... We've been talking with you for a while. We were having discussions before Christmas. We decided to wait a little bit to see how the story would evolve, to see what things would look like coming back from the Christmas break. And even then, coming back from Christmas break, there's been a rather sharp turn in this story, even in just the last day. And so kind of briefly, bring us up up to snuff. What happened back in December? What started going on? What were you involved with in school that led to things kind of where we last touched base, which was right before the Christmas break, seeing how things were going to play coming back after the new year. So take us back to uh, December and kind of walk us along a little bit of the history of this. Sure. Yeah. So the story actually kind of starts in the fall. Um, I had switched school boards, gone to the Catholic board, and uh, I had been told by some female students that male students were using the female washrooms, and they were obviously concerned by this. So um, I decided to, you know, bring it up in a class debate, and uh, that sparked a lot of controversy. I was getting shouted down by staff and students, and uh, obviously this was a pretty touchy topic, but uh, nonetheless, I took it to the uh, office as well made a complaint and asked them to uh, take some action. And I informed them that there were female students that were uncomfortable. And uh, they told me that uh, they wouldn't chase my personal crusade and I would have to bring a female student forward to, with the same concern. Um, I found a female student that was willing to do so. And uh, even after that, they still refused to take any action. At that point, I decided to organize a student walkout. And uh, I got in contact with a few different organizations and we put a poster out. And uh, two days before the walkout, I got suspended. Um, I was suspended indefinitely. And uh, I didn't end up having my welcome back meeting till uh, just before Christmas break. And uh, in that meeting, I was informed of some conditions of my return. Some of them were I couldn't speak to certain students. Doing so would be a punishable offense, and uh, I also uh, wasn't allowed to attend two of my classes. So I uh, I was fortunate enough to have uh, you guys at Liberty Coalition take me on, and uh, 
James Kitchen appealed the suspension as well as informed the school that I would not abide by the unlawful conditions. And uh, once that happened, the school informed me that I was excluded from school temporarily due to, uh, I guess it was safety concerns. And uh, they basically uh, insinuated that I was a threat and they excluded me from the school. Um, I felt this was discriminatory and unlawful and I decided to go to school nonetheless. Um, I was there for two of my, uh, two, two of my four classes in the day, the two that I was banned from. And, uh, I was kind of followed by the vice principal the entire day, asked to leave multiple times, told I wasn't welcome on the property. And, uh, that kind of went on all day long till I left. Uh, not long after I got home, received it, my parents received a letter, um, informing them that I had been given a trespassing notice and another suspension for my actions. And, uh, Right now, that's kind of where we're at. So, Josh, what were you initially suspended for? Because I, I can't think in my mind that organizing a class walkout is something that you can get suspended from school for. Because I, I know people have done it for all sorts of reasons, for climate change, and that had a hearty approval of teachers and, and everything across our nation. Is that what you were suspended for initially? What was the official reason that they gave you? The The original reason was that I may have violated the safe schools policy and they said they'd have to conduct a 20-day uh, investigation, I believe. So that was the original reason. It was very brief. It took a lot of digging for them to finally release some of the allegations against me. And uh, most of those were quotes taken out of context and... Uh, like a lot of it came from class debates. It was things I had said, the religious opinions I hold. And uh, that's kind of what they used against me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's that seems kind of crazy <laughs> that that would be the extent of the suspension that has now kind of led to you being put in this suspension loop that you seem to be going in over and over and over again. And these, these religious beliefs that you were espousing, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the reason why they responded with such vitriol is because these religious beliefs must be completely antithetical to the religious beliefs that you would find within your average Roman Catholic school. That has to be it, right? Like your beliefs were the exact opposite of what, <laughs> what they believe. And it's just so counter that there clearly this guy's a threat. That has to be it, right? It's it's not like what you were saying is essentially at the core of their religious beliefs about marriage and sexuality. That can't be the case, right? Yeah. So the the opinions I shared were completely contrary to the mainstream narrative, and uh, unfortunately, that's infiltrated the Catholic school board uh, because of public funding. Um, there's no other excuse for that. And that's even, they even brought that up in a meeting with me one time. And uh, the, I asked to speak with them from a religious perspective. I, uh, I pulled up a quote from their website, which said this is the supremacy of the word of God. And uh, they told me I'd have to talk to me. So that's something they were obviously not wanting to get into. 
Yeah, that's 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 unbelievable. But it goes to show you just how, you know, whoever whoever pays the piper calls the tune. And that's a reality that we're seeing when it comes to these various institutions. And we're seeing it explicitly in the case of these public Catholic institutions. And um, what has been the response about from the religious leaders. Have you talked to anybody in particular? You said um, the the administration at the school weren't all that fond in actually um, having a religious con- conversation, despite the fact that the institution is ostensibly Catholic. Have you had any response or dialogue from any of the religious leaders in the area that are connected to the school? That's something I'm currently working on right now. Um, there, I know there's a lot of confusion. A couple of the uh, ch- Catholic church leaders uh, have uh, contacted the school, apparently, locally. But uh, I haven't had much of a connection because I myself am not a Catholic. So it's been kind of hard to break that barrier. But uh, it's it's in the works right now. Excellent. It's good to hear. And hopefully, you know, these church you know, leaders will actually defend you for speaking up and speaking out in accordance, despite you not being Catholic, you are come from a Judeo Christian perspective that has held for millennia, multiple millennia to this biblical sexual ethics. So we would hope that these leaders would step up and, and make their voice heard in the situation. Um, because, you'd hope they still have some sort of influence over these schools, given the fact that they are technically Catholic schools. So we, um, it, to, to help piece everything together for people, these events that you described where you went to two of your afternoon classes, you know, the vice principal was there making sure that uh, you didn't murder anyone because you're a threat, right? You're a threat to people. And so they, he was there making sure that or she, I don't assume the gender of the vice principal, or I'll be suspended from the school. But um, in any event, to make sure you were a threat, and then you go home, and then your parents receive the letter. This was Monday. This is two, This all happened two days ago. So leading up to the Christmas break, yeah. you're thinking, oh, we'll see what happens in the new year. I'll go back to my classes. I've been barred from two. So you go, and then and then they say, okay, well now we're now we're now we're spending a lot of money because we're retaining some pretty serious legal counsel. So that was Monday. Uh, it's Wednesday. What, what does the rest of the week look like? Um, and, and beyond in terms of you and actually physically going to school, going to any of your classes, where are we at with that right now? So right now I am serving a five day suspension. Um, however, I have a trespassing notice at the school till January 31st. So I'm not sure how all that's going to work. Once my suspension is, uh, served, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to return to school if I have a trespassing notice. Um, but right now, yeah, I'm kind of just standing down and, uh, (laughs) letting James take the reins here. Have you thought about when your suspension's done? Have you thought about showing up to the school and identifying as not trespassing? <laughs> Have you thought about about identifying as not trespassing? And then, then if anyone approaches you and says, whoa, you're trespassing, you could say, well, hold on a second here. 
No, no, I, I identify as not trespassing. You are a threat. Your words do violence. <laughs> I wonder if that now we laugh because that's absurd. And yet here we are in, 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 the, in, in, in a circus of absurdity mm -hmm. and we know it. And that, that simple comment lets us know that we know it. But uh, nevertheless, he's saying that facetiously. But, um, you know, the point is a good point, Andrew. <laughs> We're not yeah. telling you to do anything you're not supposed to, Josh. Just so you, yes. just so you, you're aware. That was a little, we don't want was, you to oh, get I into more, any more trouble. It was, it was sarcasm. We're good yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel I, like that needs to be one of the next shirts that we print out, Matt. It's just a shirt. <laughs> With a picture was, of my space and says, sorry, that was sarcasm. <laughs> yes. No. It honestly has to be because the amount of times people reach out to us, it's like, why would a Christian institution um, be for witches? Because you play a meme yeah. or something. It's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We do have to uh, have that for sure. Josh, thank you so much for, for the stand that you've taken. I know it's difficult. Um these battles are hard to have for anybody, but you're only a 16 year old kid, but I'm, we're so thankful that you've standed on, on courage of conviction that you stand on principle you stand on truth, right? Cause the old adage goes peace, if possible, truth at all costs. And our society has inverted that, um, motto, but we're, we're thankful that you are, remaining peaceful despite what they're slandering you um uh, that you're violent just because of your views and then you're also advocating for not only your rights of free speech but you're advocating for those those girls that you go to school with who have expressed discomfort because that's the sad part too is these are victims of something that when i was going to school just a mere you know you know less than two decades ago, it was totally inappropriate for men to go into boy uh, girls bathrooms, right? It was, that was totally seen as creepy and weird. And now it's seen as normal. And apparently if you say anything about it, you're the violent one. Um, so we're appreciative that you're standing up for the rights of others. Um, despite the costs that might come to you in this. And we're thankful that we can help you, that we can represent you, that we can have these conversations, get your voice out. But what do you have to say by way of, you know, wrapping this up, what's your kind of last word to our audience or to other 16 year old kids like you or to their parents or what have you when it comes to what gave you that, that, that courage to stand on that courage of conviction. And before you answer that, so we're going to give you that word, but I want you to answer another thing as well. So we'll give you two last words. Okay. Andrew's that, got plans. What is your, what is the last word? Like, like Matt said, but, Consider that you have hopefully several thousand, tens of thousands of people either who get our emails, who watch our podcast, who listen to our podcast, who follow us on social media. They're listening to this. What will you say to them in terms of here's how you can help or support, whether it's you or whether it's more broadly this fight against what we're seeing against the the measures against you being discriminated against because of your religious beliefs. If you could say to our listeners, 
this is how you could support me. This is how you can support us. Or this is how you in your own life can get involved. So those are the two last words we want to give you. So flesh that out for us. Yeah, for sure. Well, firstly, I want to thank Liberty Coalition and all of you guys for having the courage to get behind me because I know it's not it's not a comfortable topic. A lot of people have been too afraid to stand up. And uh, to all of your viewers, it, it is time to stand up. It's it's quite embarrassing that the, the men of our country, the women of our country haven't done something that they're they're allowing me. I'm happy to do it, but they're allowing a 16 year old kid to lead this fight in the school system right now. And it goes beyond the school system. The churches need to stand up. Um, you need to work, stand up in the workplace. It goes like it's such a vast issue. And uh, it seems like everybody's afraid to do so. And uh, Liberty Coalition has provided a great opportunity to give some support. Um, this week is uh, Biblical Sexuality Sunday. And uh, so that's that's one very obvious way for the churches to get involved and go talk to your pastor, talk to your religious leader, whoever it is, and uh, try to get them involved in that and allow the church to stand united. And uh, hopefully we can make a pretty bold statement this week. And uh, if you want to support me, I mean, it's not always something we want to ask. It's not a comfortable question, but we need donations. That's uh, it, We won't be able to uh, continue this fight without the funding to do so. So go to the Liberty Coalition uh, website and donate. I want our audience to be clear, by the way. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't tell them to say that. We didn't, we didn't He's coach Josh on this. any of that. Yeah, he just, <laughs> he just understands something that he's he, he said it very politely. I'll say it in a little more of an inflammatory manner. Uh, and I said this when I was on CrossPolitik a couple days ago as well, um, which, by the way, we emailed that out. You should watch that episode. It was a good one. But basically, I told the guys backstage that the utter – shame and pathetic nature of men who are supposed to be shepherds protecting the sheep and defending against wolves cower at the thought of speaking out against Bill C4 and then here's a young 16 year old man who's willing to do it and there are other, mm -hmm. there are other people like this there are other men and women people who are who are not mouthpieces people who don't have platforms who are taking hits, who are being bold, who are being faithful. And it is it is a sad, shameful thing that the pastors in our country won't speak out not only against something that is destroying lives, but speak out against a government that's saying that your beliefs, your Christian beliefs are myths and stereotypes. And so <laughs> I hope that if you're watching this, you either lovingly tell your pastor about this young man here, uh, so that your pastor might be shamed into obedience. Or if you're a pastor elder and you're watching this and you're wondering why have we been cowering in fear and not speaking out, I hope that a little bit of good godly shame will snap you out of your fear to be bold for Christ. So, Josh, thanks. I, I know you weren't going to say, I'll say that for <laughs> you on your behalf. People, people, there, there's much shame to be had in our country and uh, certainly not, Certainly not on the right side of the screen right now. So we're we're proud of you, brother, and we are uh, we're definitely going to be supporting you and with you um, the whole way through this. Now we want to bring on uh, Josh as we let you go. We want to bring on James Kitchen so we can get the more legal side of of your case and just kind of dig deeper onto that. So thanks again for being on the program, brother. We really appreciate it. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. God bless.
So in order to better understand this from a litigation and legal perspective, what we want to do is we want to bring in Josh's lawyer and our chief litigator, James Kitchen. James, right off the bat, thanks so much for joining us on Liberty Dispatch Interviews. It's good to have you with us. It's my pleasure. So we heard a little bit from Josh with regard to the story, kind of the last month more broadly, but really specifically what's been happening over the last number of days and really Monday being uh, kind of the big day in the narrative. And so we heard about what he's gone through. We've heard about the multiple suspensions being banned from certain classes and, and what happened on the Monday. But there's other things that have been happening behind the scenes as well. And so before we kind of get into what we feel is the legal issue, kind of are we in the right? What kind of case do we have what kind of ground are they standing on we'll talk we'll touch on that but aside from the on the surface level of him at his school and the interaction what's been going on the last number of days really behind the scenes as you've been interacting with their legal representation and kind of leading up to that give us that that story as well sure so the first week of january uh the students at the school were still on break as a lot of students were so what happened that week is I uh, sent the first uh, communications to the principal of, um, Matt, of um, Josh's school and the, uh, the superintendent who deals with the issue of um, appealing suspensions. I let them know that I was, I was a lawyer for Josh and that he was appealing the first suspension that he got in November. And I also let them know that um, Josh considered uh, the conditions of his return to school to be unlawful. Uh, specifically, one of those one of those uh, conditions was that he could not attend half his classes, his afternoon classes every day. It wasn't to fully explain why, but as far as we could tell from from sort of the uh, the communications from the principal, which were sometimes it seemed intentionally vague. Um, there were two transgender students who really didn't like what Josh had been saying these last few months. Um, who were in these afternoon classes. And so um, I think if I understand what the principal is saying in, 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 um, in a course of language that only woke people would understand, he says, look, in order for the, the safety of these transgender students, uh, Josh can't be in these classes. Um, so, the, but I mean, obviously that there's a lot of problems there, right? Um, you have a kid who's peacefully expressed his views. Um, they are religious views. Um, he has a right to express these views peacefully uh, in, in class debates, which is where he's expressed them. Um, he has sort of a right as a student. He has, of course, a free speech right. Probably most importantly, though, he has a right as someone who has religious beliefs, right? If you, if you peacefully express your religious beliefs in the right context, like in class debates, um, no matter how offensive those beliefs might be, you have a right to, to express them. Um, and, and if you're then punished or excluded from a class because you've expressed those religious beliefs, it really is um, a, an extreme form of religious discrimination, right? We can imagine uh, how people would feel if you were excluded from a space uh, based on any other protected characteristic in the human rights code, like skin color, race, um, sexual orientation, uh, you know, etc. So it's not okay to do it to a black kid. It's not okay to do it to a Jewish kid. It's not okay to uh, do it to a girl um, because of their sex or their race. It's also not okay to do it to a Christian because of his religious beliefs. 
Uh, and so that's what I told the school. I said, look, this condition is just ridiculous. Not only is it uncalled for, obviously there's no actual concern here for these students. Josh poses no concern. It's, it's discriminatory. It's got to stop. And it's unlawful. And uh, so Josh is not going to comply with it. Um, so why don't we just, uh, why don't you just, you know, realize, recognize, acknowledge that this uh, condition is unlawful, uh, rescind it. He'll, he'll go to his classes peacefully as he has been doing. And then we can carry on from there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll appeal the suspension and we'll deal with this. The response, you know, from the, from the principal was, no, you can go pound sand. Um, that's our condition. We don't care if you disagree with it. That's what we're doing. And so I said, all right, well, that's fine. I mean, Josh is going to show up tomorrow and he's going to go to these classes and it's really too bad it has to come to this. And um, so Josh went to those classes. And then um, what happened is after that, a few hours after school ended, that's when I received a letter from um, the lawyers at the school board. I hired, hired a big firm in Ottawa um, to represent them and um, basically said, you know, look, um, our clients are not pleased with what happened. Uh, Josh is going to be suspended again for the rest of the week, and he's also going to have a trespass notice issued to him for the rest of the month, so that if he uh, comes onto school property, um, you know the school will probably take steps to arrest him, remove him, um, you know probably uh, probably laying information for charges to be laid for, um, you know trespassing, etc. Um, so, you know, which is obviously a very extreme step. It's, it's not a step that's um, at all justified or warranted. Um, you know, we have this very small problem that, uh, that the school is trying to blow up into this big thing. I mean, obviously, you don't get to just randomly kick a kid out of school and tell him he can't come to school. You have to have a reason. Their purported reason is that Josh is somehow a danger um, to these students. And he's just not, that's obvious, right? To anybody who isn't, you know, completely brainwashed with, with woke terminology, um, nothing about Josh's presence is unsafe. I'm sure his ideas, um, are, are not received well by a lot of people. They, they, they probably find them very offensive. Um, but you know, in reality, and I like to think still in the law, there is a difference between being actually unsafe and merely, um, being, upset because somebody has expressed ideas you don't like but what's happened now is in the woke world those two things have become the same thing right unsafe means I'm, I've, I've now encountered ideas that i don't like or find offensive and so on that basis right we get we get people who say well if you express ideas that other people don't like you're now a threat you're a danger you're unsafe and you can't be here and that's what's going on ultimately with with josh right so uh where are we at well we got two suspensions now that, that are going to be appealed and um, we're going to see what's going to happen with getting Josh back into school, because, I mean, as long as he's not in school, um, it's just more and more religious discrimination over and over again every day that he's, uh, he's not allowed to go to school or to go to his classes. And so the response to that is to say, OK, well, you know, we have protections in the law against this stuff. If that's what you want to do, it's unlawful and we're going to take whatever legal actions we need to. I just want to make a real quick point, James. And you, know, you said Josh isn't a threat. That's clear. Some people might not like his ideas. It reminds me of, I don't know if you guys remember this. I'm sure you saw it. When Maxime Bernier was arrested for being at a, it was a church service or some sort of outdoor event. And they asked him, do you have any weapons on you or anything dangerous? And he said, only my ideas. And th <laughs> this is the world that we live in, right? The world mm -hmm. that we live in is that speech can be considered violence because these ideas and the ideas, they're not ideas, it's truth. What it is, it's just reality. This is what is dangerous to people. 
because it calls into question their false gods, their false reality. And that's what's really going on here. This is a this isn't a battle about self-expression. This isn't a battle about gender identity. This is this is a battle over which ideas will rule the day and what what is reality and ideas that don't comport with my reality, I will say are violent and dangerous. I think yeah. that's yeah, we uh, were there. James Lindsay is fond of saying we live in Marcuse's world, referring to Herbert Marcuse and his idea of liberating tolerance or the counterpart to that, which is repressive tolerance, which is pre-censoring the ideas of anybody who's left of Marx, essentially, is where we are nowadays. And that is the new social imaginary that has captured so many of these institutions. Because, James, to be honest, I'm sitting here man i know it's 2023 and we see all sorts of crazy stuff but how is it possible that a public catholic institution um is discriminating against their very own students religious rights and even to the point where it doesn't even seem to occur to them that that's even a possibility in this scenario. I'm sure you're not surprised with it because you've seen it all nowadays, but maybe you can help bring our listeners and our viewers along. How did we get here in 2023 that a Catholic school is discriminating against a student for espousing beliefs that are imminently um, you know, he's just talking about reality, but are totally in line with Catholic teaching for millennia. So help me wrap my mind around this, James. You know, it's, um, it's hard because it, the answer to that inevitably has to be cultural. Um, you know, we just um, have decided um as a society and as a culture that we prefer to be nice um, over, you know, demanding that we stick to the truth, uh, over demanding that we um, stick to defending the individual rights and liberties that uh, in history has made human life better and is actually what this country was originally founded on. Uh, we've sort of we've sort of just said, well, that stuff was important, but now niceness is what's most important. Um, feeling good about ourselves is what's most important and, um, you know, letting other people sort of do whatever they want is, is more important. And, um, it's, it's going back to the ideas, right? I mean, ultimately, if your culture goes somewhere, um, the law, unfortunately, is likely to follow. Um, it, it's, uh, that's the idea with the law changing and it's not necessarily bad that the law change, but if you don't have any kind of normative, uh, worldview or any kind of value system, um, that that law is actually based on, um, it's going to, it's just going to flow with the, it's going to blow with the wind. Right. And if the, if the, if the culture, uh, if the wind of culture is going a certain way, uh, the law is just going to follow it. And that's exactly what we got. I mean, a few years ago, um, right, all these, all the gender activists um, managed to make their way into the human rights world and said, "Well, we got to add gender identity as a protected ground in the Human Rights Act." Um, and even though you know it's it's not biologically correct, it's not scientific, it just doesn't make any sense in the world of of truth and logic and mathematics and biology. Um, you know, even though it's basically a fiction, it's a legal fiction um, that somebody can can actually change. Um, their genders, or that there's actually more than two, 
um, the, the, the law has decided, well, you know, you know, our legislatures, our lawmakers have said, okay, well, we're going to legislate this. It's, it's a fiction, but we're going to legislate it because once you legislate, it doesn't matter whether it's a fiction, it's now enforceable. Um, and that's what we did with the Human Rights Act. Um, we took something that was probably pretty legitimate and protected, you know, real things like uh, like race so that people couldn't be, you know, racially discriminated against. They couldn't be kicked out because they were black. Um, it protected religious beliefs so that uh, people couldn't be, if they were a religious minority, um, they couldn't be kicked out of their house or or fired or whatever, which was a real problem uh, decades ago. And then it added in these, these, um, these fictions. And so as soon as you do that, of course, right, um, all kinds of crazy things are going to are going to flow from that. And that's what that's what we're seeing. So how do we get here? And we, we, we let the culture go in a way uh, away from truth, away from freedom. The law follows. And then, you know, what what some people predicted, but were probably ignored as sort of fear mongers or whatever, you know, um, years ago, you get this really strange situation where somebody can be kicked out of class because of their religious beliefs in the name of non-discrimination, in the name of tolerance, right? In the name of equality, you can have somebody treated very unequal. You can have somebody who's actually discriminated against, right? That's what you get, uh, is when you abandon truth, that's what you get, right? You get this weird dystopian society where you can say something and mean the opposite and you can treat people that you disagree with um, like second-class citizens. Well, and it's it almost feels like it almost feels like a cultural bait and switch. And by that, I mean, you know, you said that originally these laws and these protections were put in place to protect those that were in the minority position to afford them the rights and the protections that the majority should have as well. And I, I, I don't even think that's the case. I, I think that there's a word that's missing and the word is certain minorities. Because the truth is, in our world today, the biblical Christian is the minority position in Canada. But even though it's a minority position, it's not afforded the same protections that a minority class should. In a similar way, I mean, the reality—I mean, it's—I it, it, don't know all the exact numbers, but I know in the United States, for example, for the last number of years, in terms of births white people are now in the minority in terms of new births every year, which means going forward, non-whites will outnumber whites in the United States, probably the same here in Canada. And so even though on the surface, what was told was this is designed to secure the rights and protections for those who were in a minority class or a minority position, it really was only ever designed for certain minorities because now that the white cisgender Christian is the minority for some reason they cannot avail themselves of the same protections and the same rights and so I, I feel like it's a cultural bait and switch it was never about what it was supposed to be about but we were pitched something to allow it in and then once it came in we see what it was really intended for all along mm -hmm. yeah well the problem is when you like like james said when you have no deontological standard when you have no fixed standard for morals or ethics you end up adding all these varying ideas that are that don't hold together um into a human rights code so now you have literally written into the same codes incompatible worldviews and there's just no way 
to keep those two things together because there's no center to hold those together. So one of those rights that is written in there has to go. And we've seen time and time and time again that despite religious beliefs being protected um, in these human rights codes, in these constitutions, if it, it, it's always the first one to go under tack when it comes to this idea, idea of sexual libertinism. And that's the tension we're seeing play out in the West, uh, not only in Canada, but in, in the US and in Europe as well. Um, so, James, what's the next step? You've kind of said, here's how we get or we have gotten to where we're at. Here's here's where we're at. Where do we go from here now that they've kind of put their cards on the table now that they've hired this law firm and want to press forward uh, against you? What are the next steps? And I guess with that, if I could add to that as well, yeah. as much as you could say, what is it? What does it? What what appears to be their play or their tactic? Like as far as they've communicated, and as much as you can say, what does it appear that they have said? This is what we are doing. This is the ground upon which we're standing. This is the position we're defending. And then, what again? As much as you can say, what's what's the response to that? Or regardless of that, what is it that we're going to be standing on? What is what what is the play in order to legitimately defend a 16 year old man who's being discriminated against because of his religious beliefs. Well, it's like just about anything else. It's, you know, look, um, we're going to do whatever we want. And, um, if you don't like it, um, too bad. And I mean, you can say that in legalese. Um, and, um, that's what the lawyer is here for you to do is to interpret what are they really saying in plain English, plain English. What I, what I've heard so far from the principal, and, and, and from the lawyers that the school board has hired is, is basically like, look, this is the way it is. If you don't like it, you can go pound sand and go cry in a corner and go away because we're not going to do what you want. We're not scared of you. We don't care. Um, you know, it's, it's it, we don't really care um, about um, what you think the law is. Um, we just care about what we think is right. And we're, and, and we're going to do that. And we have the power to do it. And, you know, it's, it's a response I, I get all the time. Right. And it's not you know, entirely wrong for these for these institutions or employers or government bodies um, to say that, because unfortunately, you know, our society is one in which we've, we've let these institutions, um, we've let these, um, these, uh, these uh, ideas, we've let them get a lot of power, right? And um, so when they say that, they're just like, well, you know, yeah, they've, they've come to think that they have the power because we've let them have it. We don't stand up. We don't take the risks. We don't speak our mind. We don't push back. We don't say, hey, that's wrong or hey, that's not true. Um, we just kind of say, well, it's not worth it. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to be an outcast. Uh, I don't want to be made fun of. Uh, yada, yada. I don't want to be called bad names. So I'm just I'm just going to let them get away with it. Right. And that's, that's what, unfortunately what happens all over um, the country. So um, I think it's just going to be the same old thing that it is in a lot, of, a lot of our other cases. The little guy is going to say, well, I got truth on my side and um, I'm principled and um, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stand for that. And that means I'm going to use whatever, whatever legitimate legal means are at my disposal. And I'm not going to be scared. Um, and I don't care, you know, how, how, um, how big and powerful they say they are. I'm going to make my legitimate claims. And in this case, you know, it's going to be saying, look, you haven't acted reasonably and um, the suspensions were illegitimate. 
Um, you know, there is no actual facts to support what you're saying about Josh being dangerous. And yes, you have engaged in religious discrimination. That's unlawful, and you have to stop. And if you don't, you're gonna you're gonna have to pay the piper. That's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna continue to obviously keep everyone updated with what's going on. Um, we have some plans for the next month, even in terms of our podcasting, in terms of the sort of people we want to interview that Mike wants to interview people who have expertise and experience in the legal world to get kind of a few different perspectives. Although I'm, I'm sure they're going to look at this in the, in the same way and see, yeah, this clearly, this is all leaning one way that this is, this is a very easy case of him being discriminated against because of his beliefs. And I, I think, as you said earlier, um, it's, it's, it's plain to see unless you're all in on a particular narrative and agenda. It's, 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 it's just painfully obvious to anyone who's looking at this with any measure, any modicum of objectivity. So we're going to keep people updated. Um, we're going to be sharing stuff on social media and in emails, um, retweeting a lot of the stuff that you do. We're going to be obviously keeping in touch with Josh and blasting the stuff out. And if there's any pressing changes, we're going to have you back on and keep talking about that stuff. Um, James, is there anything that you can say or that you can recommend for people in our audience, people who watch the show, people who receive our emails, people who follow us on social media, anything that we can say to them by way of involvement, engagement, support, uh, say to them, this is what you can also do. This is how you can be involved in this as a freedom-loving Canadian. What would those things be? Well, I mean, obviously donate, right? One of the ways you level the playing field against these powerful bodies that are well-funded is that uh, we pool our resources and we direct them towards, um, you know, representing people who are doing what's right and taking the risks to speak their mind. Um, and uh, we say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to fund these people so that you can't just bury them with your extra resources and we level the playing field, right? So obviously that, but the other really important thing is that people need to do the same thing that Josh is doing, right? Whether, whether it's at their place of employment, it's at their church, it's at their social club, um, it's at their school, um, it's in their circle of, of influence, it's with, it's with their friends and colleagues. Um, it's, it's, look, you've got to stop self-censoring. You've got to start speaking up. You know, do it, sure, do it respectfully, of course, but, but, but do it boldly. And um, you've got to recognize that each individual act of self-censorship is not only signing you up for a life of slavery, at least at least intellectual and social slavery, um, it's it's signing this is signing up the society you live in uh, for uh, political and uh, intellectual slavery to um, you know an increasingly um, intellectually intolerant and oppressive and tyrannical uh, government, uh, which is exactly what we're seeing in Canadian society these last few years. That should really be now apparent to anybody who's, who's really paying attention. Uh, we live in a very intellectually intolerant uh, and, and oppressive, tyrannical society. And of course, it's, you know, we got the boiling frog thing going on, so we're having a hard time seeing it. But um, hopefully this is going is gonna to jar some people into seeing that really is what's going on. And each individual person has some moral responsibility to put a stop to it in their own lives. Um, and, then, and then, of course, when they do that, they'll find that they're now in a position where they can begin to, to put a stop to it in, uh, in society uh, more widely. Um, you know, Josh is inspiration. He's only a 16-year-old kid. Um, if he can do it, um, the rest of you can all do it as well. And that's that's what has to happen. 
Mm -hmm. And this is why we exist at the Liberty Coalition Canada. This is why we wanted to get together, not only to do news and analysis, but to provide a platform where we could get the voice of people like Josh Alexander out to more people, where we could build an institution where we can interpose on behalf of these individuals who are going against institutions that are clearly discriminating against their um, religious beliefs or, or their civil liberties. That's why we exist. And, you know, I know some of you might hate hearing us call for your support and your donations. But the fact of the matter is, this school is hiring uh, big law firms that we just can't compete with if we don't have your help. But the amazing part is if you do help our programming, if you do help James and uh, it, on the Legal Defense Fund, we can do the, all this with your support and you're in this battle with us. So if you're a homeschooling mom and you don't know how you're going to fight back against this stuff, this is one way that you can help out. So we would just encourage you to help uh, support the program, help support our initiatives like Biblical Sexuality Sunday, help support the Legal Defense Fund, because this is how we start to change that social imaginary, that social consciousness so we can be defending people's rights and freedoms and def defending the right to even have open debate and disagreement and tolerance, even despite that disagreement. Because if we don't start doing this, we're just going to get run over rough shots. So thank you, everybody, again, for tuning in. We love that you give us so much of your time and attention. Please share this widely. If you can help support, please go over the website. Again, that's libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. And you can give directly to the Defense Fund over there. If you click the other initiatives tab on that page as well, that'll come up for you. So we would encourage you to go over there and do that. And as we say at the end of every podcast, until next time, Galatians 5.1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.